What's happening, everybody? Ryan Thomas here live on the Thomas Takes Sports Podcast for another episode, a very special episode. We're coming to you Tuesday. You'll be hearing this podcast probably Wednesday uh, as we dive into the free agent frenzy. Free agency hadn't even officially started yet, hasn't officially started yet, and we still have so much to dive into. So many things happened within the last 24 hours that... Myself and my guest, Kevin Masseri, will dive into. Kevin, thanks for joining me on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Look, really looking forward to it. Yeah, so let's dive into it. Being that we're both Buffalo-born guys, we're both um, avid Buffalo Bills fans, cover the team with podcasts and tweets and articles um, like you have over the years. Take me through the moment you heard the news that the Buffalo Bills had acquired Stephon Diggs uh, in a trade with the Minnesota Vikings last night. Yeah, so I was just actually having some family time down in my basement, uh, my wife and my son, and he's running around, and um, still pretty late. He, he stays up late right now. Um, so just happened to be refreshing my phone and noticed that. First, always got to check for the blue check mark originally. Um, it's the number one thing you do when you see news like that. And then he kind of wait a couple more minutes to make sure it's not an Antonio Brown situation like last year. And then the third thing you do is check on the compensation. So I was, I was immediately pretty excited. Um, for me, I always take a back seat when I lose my first round pick. That's kind of my lifeblood in, in late April, early May. Um, to not pick till 54 it does leave a kind of shock in my mind. Um, I think the original thoughts for me were, were, were simple. It was Hopkins went for a second in an overpriced running back because of horrible Bill O'Brien. Um, and then now I, I, I see a first, fourth, fifth, and sixth. I don't really care about those picks um, because they were basically given for free. So, I mean, great trade. Love the player. Basically, the Bills are saying, we scouted these, these receivers. We don't think any of them, um, you know, especially past the top two or three, are going to be better than Stephon Diggs. We're going to pull the trigger. We have the guy signed for, for you know, an additional four years at $12 million a, d- a year. Uh, it's simple, Ryan. It, it, it's do they think that um, that he's going to play under that contract and for how long? Because every dollar more that they spend makes that compensation higher and higher. Right, right. And and really, I I, I can echo your same sentiments that when you have a, a pressing need, a glaring need like the Buffalo Bills did in terms of that quote unquote wide receiver one, and you're waiting for the news of Buffalo going out and, and getting one of those guys. And you start to realize, slowly but surely, the the list of options were, were dwindling. I mean, Amari Cooper signed a massive deal with the Dallas Cowboys. A.J. Green, a uh, little bit long in the tooth. He's had some injuries. I was never really too over the moon about that idea. It seems yeah. as if Stephon Diggs was really the only clear-cut, you know, youthful option that Buffalo had in terms of acquiring a wide receiver talent via trade. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, you know, it's it's pretty simple in this case. They're sitting there. We can't sit. We can't sit at twenty two and think we're going to get what is deemed to be a top flight receiver. Now, this is a really deep receiver class. So it's an interesting prediction that Brandon Bean, who I trust, uh, and if there's one struggle with Bean, what well, should be fair, as I'm very pro Bean's, my favorite executive in the city, not just the Bills, right? Um, in a very long time, um, if not, maybe. He has a chance to maybe be the best. We'll see how he finishes this up to be one of the best executives ever. Um, but the one place, if anywhere, he struggled as receiver. He, he swiped and missed on Kelvin Benjamin. He swiped and missed on 
uh, Zay Jones. It's the one place it seems to be, even, even quarterback, you know, he seemed to nail at this point in his switch is the tougher one. Um, but he has struggled with this receiver position. It's fair to say that uh, prior, especially prior to last year with the, with the signings of uh, Cole Beasley and um, John Brown, which he did pay for. Um, right. So it's, it's easy to say now, Ryan, that he's more willing to spend and pay for a receiver he knows is good rather than take a flight on a, on a, on a, on a receiver that's looking to move like Benjamin or take a chance on, on, a, on a player that he thought was a pretty solid lock in Zay Jones, the biggest reception leader ever. So it's easy to say that he checked these receivers out, didn't think Jerry Judy would be available, uh, wasn't sure about rugs, wasn't sure what the situation was going to be there, and, and said, you know what, we can't sit here, and there's no way if we want to move up, we can trade move up with a fourth and a fifth and a sixth like they traded. They would have had to probably get one and a two. Right. Um, so, so they're basically saying, I like Diggs the best. And then secondly, I get to keep my second round pick because I don't need to use that to trade up with my one. So that's essentially what the Bills did. They could have done the opposite and said, we're going to trade our first and our second to go out to pick 14 and take Jerry Judy. Um, even if that, 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 you don't even know that that's an option to be able to do on draft. Day. So you can't right. be sitting there with Diggs off the board traded to Washington um, or New England. Um, don't have a fallback as a veteran. So you're sitting there at the draft time saying, you know, <laughs> if I can't make a trade, I'm sitting here with, at my mercy with no receiver. You're sitting there with um, so. you're sitting there empty-handed, and, and rather than right. the the draft is such a uncertainty that exactly. you know, the, the way that I looked at it was yes, you know, some fans out there were saying they go out, they make this Stephon Diggs trade. Did they really have to, given that this wide receiver class was so loaded? Well, when you're positioned as you mentioned at 22nd overall, are you in that position to really go up and get that? guy that you maybe the cd lamb or or jerry judy or somebody that you really really like and the way i look at it is i don't think that they would have done that i don't think they would have traded up i feel like brandon bean would have stayed kind of within that 20 maybe moved up a little bit but rather than taking a good receiver in a great wide receiver draft class why not just go get a great wide receiver that has put in, you know, two back-to-back thousand-yard seasons? Um, he's come close to ten touchdowns two years in a row, and someone that actually seems to me, from everything I've gathered, he actually is really excited about coming here, Kevin. So that is pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Too, the one if there is a worry, it's that you got to make sure that he is all in. I mean, just people do not seem to like something about the Minnesota situation. Uh, whether it's Kirk Cousins just seems to either rub people the wrong way. I, I mean, I think he's a pretty good player. So I don't know. He struggles a little bit on prime time, but, you know, who doesn't at, at right. times except the elite? Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the issue there was. So we're going to have to make sure Josh Allen's a very likable guy. seems to be really liked by every player. Um, I think that that's a good situation for Stephon Diggs. It's just... I think the real wild card, and we don't know this yet, how long will he play under that pretty reasonable wide receiver one deal? He just got signed last year. If he's played, The longer he plays on that, the better this deal was. If he wants a, uh, a contract this year or the end of the year, he did pay fair compensation because the argument, Ryan, for drafting a receiver is you get him at $3 million for four years. Right, you're under uh, that rookie CBA. Exactly. Right. So is it worth a chance doing that? It might be, but the bills are all in. I mean, the, the, the sign says... You take a chance on a T. Higgins or, um, you know, whoever falls to 22 if you're not all in because at the end of the day, you can exercise the option to only pay him $3 million. And if he sucks, well, 
all you used was a first-round pick. And in this case, they spent a little bit more, but they went out and got the guy they want. But now not only are they paying the pick, they're paying that contract. One that they could still roll over to help pay Trey White, help pay Josh Allen, help pay Deion Dawkins. We all know the names, you know, Jordan Poyer, right. uh, you know, fiance is asking or wife now is asking for more money. Right. Um, so <laughs> there's, situ- there's situations there um, that the Bills need to be cognizant of when they could have just paid $3 million for a first round pick. So it's interesting. I do think it was a really good receiver draft. I don't think it's the end of the Bills in the receiver class. I do think that it's still possible they take one um, with their second round pick based on this. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, they're still, in my calculations, have a fair amount of money in the $50 million range um, and still close to the top of the league in, in overall cap space. And I'll say this. The Bills were at Clemson's Pro Day. Their entire staff was at Clemson's Pro Day to, to, to look at the most likely option available at in their first round, and that's Clemson receiver Higgins. If they liked him, Brian, are they making this trade? No. I don't, I right. don't think so. Right. I do not think so. And, and um, I agree with you with that. You know, they, they've you had before this whole COVID nineteen um, you know virus broke out. Uh, you did have a little bit of time in certain certain facets, not just pro days, but watching the you know collegiate season, your whole scouting department watching these wide receivers, and knowing that Stephon Diggs and the and the Minnesota Vikings situation was a little bit contentious to say the least. You would think to yourself, well. They they must have really saw him as that guy, and then you see the compensation, and it's like, okay, if you're willing to part part ways with a first-round pick for a player, chances are you, you want him to be on the team for quite some time, and, and that appears to be um, appears to be the case, obviously, with this yeah, that's, that, that's exactly right. Yeah, it appears to be that they – and then look at it the other way, too. If the team said, I can go out and scout these guys, bring them in for visits, it's pretty big in this culture day and age for my team as Brandon Bean and – Sean McDermott, guess what? I don't know that we can spend this investment anyways. Whereas I can get, you know, I can get Stefan Diggs on the phone today um, and talk to him and see his NFL production and get him on the phone with Josh Allen and get him on the phone with Brian Dable and get him on the phone with whoever, John Brown, whatever, whatever. Um, that's, that's a lot different than being able to, um, you know, very limitedly talk to these prospects. Right. Um, so I think that that's a factor too for a team that preaches culture, that team that preaches community, a team that preaches we have you know a really good organization, great facilities. They can't show up these any of this stuff off. So at the end of the day, they said we saw you know we saw Higgins in person, we saw him at his pro day. It was the last thing we were able to do before the shutdown. I want Stephon Diggs. I know what he was able to do, and this goes to show me if nothing else, the Bills are trying to acquire this guy for longer than just just eight hours ago, Ryan. Right? Right. I think that they were probably talking. Last year, Minnesota wouldn't deal them. And then after Hopkins came, I do think there was probably a bidding war between New England, Buffalo, and Washington. Um, three teams that wanted to add to the receiving core and were like, well, what the heck? You know, you just traded Hopkins for nothing. Right. And you knew right away that, that, that Houston wasn't trading Hopkins to New England or Buffalo. It wasn't happening. And a lot of fans uh, out there, yeah, not to interrupt you, a lot of fans out there, they, they're very frustrated that Buffalo traded a first for Diggs, but Arizona... Um, you know, only traded a second for Hopkins, and I, I think Kevin, you, you would probably be able to add on to this, as, you know, as well. Um, Hopkins wants a new deal right now, where Buffalo he's under con- Diggs is under contract, and they have a lot of cap space, as you said, but they also have a lot of people on that team that they want to sign long term, guys like Trey White, Milano, and 
and a, and a few others. So the situations of the trade are a little bit different, right? Yeah, they're, they're a lot different, and I think there's a couple factors. One, I have a hard time believing that the Bills didn't try to call Hopkins. I do have a hard time believing that they just randomly decided they, that James was the only receiver they were going to pursue. I do think they were probably in on it. And basically, don't let's not forget that, that you know, who's back in town is, is, is Brian Gain, a uh, guy that used to run that Houston organization. And everyone thinks, well, he can just go and acquire his own players. I don't think that that's the case at all. I think that he probably doesn't have a good relationship with Bill O'Brien. I think that there's possibility that um, the last thing he wants to do is trade his players away to his ex-GM. Um, that right. doesn't look good at all. Right. Um, a lot of people say it's not the same thing as the Bean connection to, to Carolina. It's completely different. Um, I'm assuming that's all a good term to be fired after one year as your general manager. Um, something that I wish the Sabres <laughs> would have done. Um, but <laughs> you but to be honest, yeah, t- t- to be honest, Houston, they're not going to make the trade with Buffalo. It's a team they played in the playoffs and direct competitor for these final AFC spots, and they're not going to trade into New England. So I do think they said, you know what? We see something in David Johnson, a guy that is a top-flight running back when he's healthy. I mean, we're all laughing at the contract, but that guy's a good football player. I don't know if he's ever going to get back there. Right. Um, I mean, he's put in years, consistent, solid years in the NFL. I mean, he's a true NFL running back. You know, he he might not be what he once was. I think that that potentially Arizona overpaid. Mm -hmm. But just because of the one injury-prone year where he signed his big contract, it changes the mindset. Uh-uh, 12 months ago, and I, st- I think that this would have been an overpainted by Houston. Yeah, I mean, he was MVP caliber. Not not just a great running back, but MVP <laughs> caliber, putting up, uh, you know, 1,000 and, and 900 or almost 1,000 and 1,000, if my memory serves me right. So, yeah, yeah. And do you think that, you know, as far, you know, going back to the, the whole Diggs-Hopkins kind of comparison, you mentioned a name that i got to throw out there for, for the listeners uh, that'll be tuning into this podcast. I was really critical throughout the Buffalo Bills season of uh, offensive coordinator Brian Dable, and it was more within the. I guess, I guess I could say it was more. It was more about the situational play calling that Dable kind of lacked within the season. But now going back, popping on the DVR as I'm, you know, secluded here in my house, watching some offensive drives. They just didn't have that firepower that they could potentially have on paper with the addition of Stephon Diggs. How much do you think this addition will actually allow Brian Dable to expand upon this offense? Well, I, I mean, I just did see a statistic from Sharp Football um, stating that the Bills ran in the beginning of the year 60% of 11 personnel, which is three receivers. Um, and then I did read that toward the end of the year as they were making their playoff push, uh, into the playoffs, they ran 11 personnel, three receivers, 80% of the time. Um, guess what? The Bills didn't have that second receiver. We saw it in the playoffs. They tweeted that the Bills force-fed Duke Williams 10, uh, 10 targets. Uh, in the one game that, that Stephon Diggs received 10 targets, he went for 170 yards and three touchdowns. What did Duke Williams do? A paltry 60 yards, and he made some big plays in that. Uh, not everything was perfect, but the difference between uh, a guy that's, that's, that's developing and an established number one receiver wins you that game by seven to ten points, in my opinion. Just direct off those ten targets. Duke Williams deserves, still is one of my favorite guys to make the back end of this roster, um, especially with McKenzie gone now. Um, right. But any, but anyways, uh, I think it, it adds a lot. So so now Brian Dable can say, I have my slot receiver, I have my two boundary receivers. 
Uh, and I have a little bit of depth with Foster and Williams, who were, who were starting just two years ago. Um, well, in, in the case of Foster, and in the case of Williams, he was starting in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm not ready um, to give up on Foster quite yet. Not yet. And both of them should be the last two receivers on the roster, mm-hmm. and then they'll keep an extra roster spot with Roberts. But that's bearing that they don't draft the receiver here, which is still very possible. And if they do, the days might be numbered for Robert Foster. Um, but right now, I think that's your receiving core, the, the top three, as we all know. Then you got Duke Williams, then you have uh, Robert Foster, and you have Andre Roberts. That's your six-man receiving core right now. Right. Yeah, and I, I would definitely say that, I mean, just that one addition really changes the possibilities of how you can run the offense and what you can do with Allen. And I, I think of a question that I've received quite a lot that I haven't fully answered. I wanted to wait uh, till I was on here with you, Kevin, to, to talk about it. I had a question from a listener that said that the speed of Diggs, is he fast enough to get to Josh Allen's overthrown deep balls? And, I, you know, obviously there was a little bit of haterade mixed in that mixed in that statement. But, you know, Josh, sure. Josh Allen did have uh, some issues throwing that deep ball last year. There was a lot of overthrows. Um, how do you think Diggs will fit as far as his deep ball ability uh, with Josh Allen? I think that there's a couple of components of this. He runs a 4-4. He ran a 4-4. Um, it ended up being a fifth-round draft choice, uh, but did run fairly well. Does have a good vertical. But the number one thing that Stefan Diggs does, and this has got to be, this has got to be what Brandon Bean said. At the end of the day, I'm not going to get this at 22. It's going to be his ability to fight for the football. It's something that Zay Jones was probably last in the league at. <laughs> this was really bad at it. Right. Um, probably costing his career. Um is his ability to fight for the football. Number one in contested catches, you might think it might be Julio Jones or, or something along those lines. DeAndre Hopkins it is actually Stephon Diggs has the best quarterback percentage when thrown to in contested balls. Um, right. And he rates out extremely well in these situations. So if you're a court, if you're a guy that says Josh Allen's extremely inaccurate, you're not following up your own question by saying, well, then why the heck would they have gone out and gotten a guy that makes contested catches? Well, because he's inaccurate. Right. Um, so, so they kind of, Picked a specific receiver on purpose when they could have probably picked a, 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 a you know a, a multitude of different receiving styles, um, and they have some of those on their team already. The slot guy, they have the you know the the small burning guy with good route running ability. Um, they have the big you know gangly guy in Duke Williams. You know they went out and got this guy that everyone just thought needs to be big. We're back on that big receiver kick, but it's really about being able to make contested catches in vertical. Two things that Stephon Diggs are the best at. So if you're worried about Josh Allen's accuracy to answer that question, you got the perfect receiver for it. Yeah, and it's all about finding the compliment to to make Allen better. And I think there's something to be said for experience over youth. And it's not that Stephon Diggs is you know a 33 year old wide receiver. He's you know in his mid late 20s, 26, 27, and they bring him in. Josh Allen, you know, needs compliments to his game. And here's a compliment that has put up production already in the National Football League. I feel like that is so valuable to this offense right now and to this team, being that they are in quote-unquote win-now mode. The um, gas pedal, I think, needs to be pushed to the floor in terms of Buffalo going after not just you know more than 10 wins, but the AFC East division, which brings us to my next point as we segue to the next point to, to close out the show. Massive news this morning, Instagram, the greatest quarterback to ever do it, in my humble opinion, Tom Brady takes to Instagram and he says that 
I am moving on from playing for the franchise that I played for for 20 seasons. It's unprecedented. We've never seen anything like this with any player going from one team that he played for for 20 years to moving on to another another team and parting ways with his beloved uh, owner Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick. So Tom Brady, no longer a member of the Patriots, full-on a free agent, and we're getting some news tri- uh, circulating here trickling through that Tom Brady might have a new home soon. I'll give you the floor, and we'll dive into it. Yeah, so I'm someone that I think that this is this is a happy day for me to see him out of here. Um, that, that makes me super happy. It's, it's a new day for everybody involved. Um, but I think he was declined. I think for once, finally, he was declined. The last year was the first year you could say that. If he returned to New England, yeah, I wouldn't give it any pause, but I, I don't know how 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 much he actually has left. I think he's in that Peyton Manning twilight years, and to see him go off to the NFC, which is you know now being rumored to sign there in Tampa, um, and not have to play him is going to be fun. So at the, at the end of the day, I don't want to play this guy anymore. Um, <laughs> and I don't know how good he even is at this point, but to see him. Uh, go to Tampa is definitely pretty interesting, and and uh, to, to 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 work out down there. He's got some weapons to work with. Um, he's not going to turn the ball over like James Winston did. So it's going to be it's going to be fun, but it's going to be really great to not have to worry about that. Right, and and I didn't anticipate that. I mean, out of the teams that I thought he could go to prior to all this, really, you know, over the season, even the regular season, we're thinking of, well, is this Tom Brady's last season with the Patriots? And if it is, what team could he go to? Yet the Chargers rolling through my mind, the the Raiders rolling through my mind, um, you know, even Tennessee rolling through my mind up until they re-signed Ryan Tannehill for the money that they did. So now, right. as these teams kind of have Carolina they, they look like they're going to go after Teddy Bridgewater um you know so that was a team that was possible you know just crossing off all these teams um the options are kind of dwindling for a quarterback that'll be 43 years old uh come the start of this season so it's you know crazy to say this but the market for Tom Brady is is not really that big right no, it's not. It wasn't that big. I mean, a couple right. teams dabble. A couple teams are interested in maybe moving away from their own quarterbacks, like Sam Fran. And at the end of the day, it came down to Tampa just saying, "Dude, we want you down here. Great weather, um, you know, pretty decent offense. Um, you know, we want you to play in it." And that's what it took. I don't. I don't really think anyone else was really that serious. I don't think he'll play for anyone inside the division like Miami. So it really just led them and maybe the Chargers. Right. Um, and, and for whatever reason, Tampa was the better fit for him. So, no, there really wasn't that big of a market. We'll see what the number says. That's what's going to dictate how much Tampa really had to pay to get this guy down there. I think it's pretty, um, I should, let's say, ballsy of Tom Brady, though, to say, hey, I played 20 years in one place. I'm willing to go play somewhere else. Most people in his position uh, that are a little bit long in the tooth would just hang him up, and it's more so rather than the six Super Bowls and the MVPs. Looks like he's looking to prove longevity. Uh, <laughs> beyond, yeah. Go beyond proving his longevity at this point. So that'll be something to keep our eye on. As far as the AFC East without Tom Brady, how do you look at the Jets, Dolphins, and Patriots? Uh, um, I just don't think the Jets are very good. Great. Um, I don't. I just. I just don't know what to to make of that team. I think they're going to be seven and nine until they figure something else out. I just. I don't know. Adam Gase is still there. I, 
they don't like their running back. I, they don't have receivers. They they're, have a, they're a mess, you know, essentially, right? Yeah, I just <laughs> I just don't see what their vision is. I can't predict them to, to have a, a, anything over seven and nine. They'll, they'll sneak out some wins because there is some talent on that team. Um, Miami, I, I mean, they have the worst offense in football still. They went out and signed a bunch of free agents, spent all their money on, on a couple of guys. Um, I think they're going to be better. The draft is going to really dictate my opinion on Miami, what they end up doing there. So I, right. I have them at a similar 7-9, and 8-8, eight and eight, which is still a big upgrade from where they were. Uh, and at this point, New England still has a top-flight defense. They are losing players on their offense left and right. Um, uh, I don't I, – I, I, I probably see them down to the middle of the pack. I think the Bills really do have an advantage here to go 5-1 and one into the patron play. Um, minimum of 4-2. and two. Right. Ideally, that would be fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, it really would be. I mean, it definitely would be. Three and three last year, you know, did drop the Jets game on purpose pretty much. But getting up to that four and two mark in the division, five and one, uh, is the number they're shooting for. And that should should catapult the next ten and six year. I love it. I love it. Well, Kevin, I, I won't keep you too much longer. you got to wrap it up. But uh, I really enjoyed having you on. I look forward to talking to you in the near future. Sounds great. Look forward to um, to that and uh, some future announcements on that regards. Yes, yeah, we'll have, I was just about to say, what I meant was we'll be talking a lot more in the future. <laughs> yes, so, it, it certainly seems like it. Yeah, so the folks at home, you know, tuning into this, there's plenty more where that came from. And we got a lot of interesting storylines throughout this offseason that will play themselves out. The draft, obviously training camp is always a fun time uh, seeing which player is, is living the hard hard knock life of trying to make this final 53-man roster. Um, I look forward to, to that, and, and hopefully we can all get back to living our normal lives here shortly. God willing, right? That's all we can hope for, man. In the meantime, all we can do is give some great digital virtual content for everybody right? Um, and kind of keep everyone's mind occupied. Um, with all this this additional info. So great to have some sports to talk about, Ryan, and look forward to those big announcements coming soon. Big announcements coming soon, and another big announcement to end the show, Philip Rivers did just sign a one-year deal with the Indianapolis Colts, so that is another quarterback that's off the free agent market. Kevin, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, and we'll talk soon. Talk soon. Take care. That was Kevin Massari joining me on the Thomas Take Sports Podcast. I'm Ryan Thomas. Thanks so much for joining me and Kevin as we dove into the uh, Buffalo Bills stunning trade where they were able to acquire wide receiver, former, now former wide receiver of the Minnesota Vikings, uh, Stephon Diggs. You know, to echo Kevin's sentiments and to kind of add on to that, I really think that this move was another move made to not just help Josh Allen, but to bolster this offense from a play-calling standpoint. As I alluded to in the discussion with Kevin here, is that you know, I talked to a lot of people throughout my week, Bills fans, Twitter, uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and I was so critical of Brian Dable and how he um, you know, really made this a vanilla offense. But upon going back and, and looking at it and realizing that this offense really did not have the firepower needed to break into that upper echelon of the AFC. And now with Stephon Diggs, 
uh, in the building with Stephon Diggs as a member of your wide receiver core, I expect Buffalo to be a very, very much improved team. And you still got that second-round pick. Yeah, you gave up multiple picks for Stephon Diggs, but um, this is going to be something that I think will uh, be a moment in Bill's fandom that they'll remember. They will remember it, no doubt about it. And um, I'm I'm looking forward to that, to say the least. So um, what else we got here? We got the announcement that Phillip Rivers signed a one-year deal with the Indianapolis Colts. Um, a, a real great contract for the Colts and a, and a great contract for Phillip Rivers. I think this is a great fit in particular, being that Rivers spent a few seasons with um, now Colts head coach Frank Reich, former Buffalo Bills backup quarterback as well. Um, you know, a lot of moving parts within this free agency market. Uh, the Buffalo Bills bringing in Mario Addison on a three-year deal uh, worth up to $30 million. $15 million, uh, will be issued to him in 2020. As well, A.J. Klein signed a three-year deal. Uh, they signed the linebacker of the Steelers. I will botch his name, but you know his name. Um, and, you know, two guys that are essentially replacements for Lorenzo Alexander, linebacker depth, as well as special teams help, which the Buffalo Bills greatly needed. I cannot stress it enough. This is a all-three-phases game. You know, special teams, offense, and defense. Special teams, I really feel, is, is not talked about enough. And with a lot of the rule changes that have been made in the National Football League, um, you, you look at this and you say to yourself, well, you know, you got to get some guys that can hit some guys that can can make things happen in the return game when the ball is returned, which is so much less now than what it was even two, three, four years ago. Um, so that's how I see that. As well, um, you know, we touched on it a little bit briefly here. I want to dive into some of the signings in the AFC East thus far. The Miami Dolphins have gone out and they've signed... Um, they have signed uh, Byron Jones, they have signed Jamie Collins, and they have signed Kyle Van Noy. And two of those players, Van Noy and Collins, former members, now former members, of the New England Patriots that are now joining the former team that they, or the former uh, defensive coordinator that, you, that they used to play for. Um, Collins actually went to the Lions. I misspoke I mis, uh, just then. I went to the Lions, and Van Noy went to the Dolphins. So, Collins reuniting with Matt Patricia, Kyle Van Noy reuniting with uh, Brian Flores. So that is uh, that's pretty awesome for those teams to get players like that to come from the winning culture and can continue on the success that they have had. Uh, I think those are solid moves for those two teams. Uh, Byron Jones, the highest paid corner in the National Football League, that is something that I think Bills fans should keep their eye on in terms of the deal that he got. Uh, Trey White will be looking to get more than that, much more than that, and um, you know, rightfully so. This guy's been one of the stud corners in the National Football League for the better part of the last you know two, three years. What areas would I like Buffalo to go after next? Um, you know, you look at the running back position, really thin there right now. Devin Singletary, the main guy. Frank Gore, um, not under contract. He's a free agent on the Buffalo Bills, or from the 2019 Buffalo Bills. Uh, I think, for me, a guy that I really wanted was Jordan Howard, but he signs a two-year deal with the Miami Dolphins. That's another Dolphin that the... Uh, 
that, that Miami, a new, another new Dolphin that Miami was able to bring in. And this division, you know, the Jets, they haven't really made many moves. The Patriots, they haven't really made many moves. And the quarterback market is dwindling. I'm really wondering if Bill Belichick feels they should roll with Jared Stidham in New England. Um, I'm starting to wonder if that's the plan um, or if they're going to draft somebody you know, for the future. And, and Josh McDaniels could have a massive say in that selection due to the fact that this first-round draft pick quarterback that they bring in is somebody that Bill Belichick could want, but really someone that Josh McDaniels could say, well, this is the guy that I'm going to coach when I become the head coach when Bill Belichick uh, when Bill Belichick decides to retire. So incoming word on that deal for Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers signs a one-year deal with the Indianapolis Colts per Ian Rappaport. He gets roughly $25 million, um, and yeah, the, the Colts have made two big moves. They get... Um, DeForest Buckner and Phillip Rivers fortify the pass rush, get the guy to rush the quarterback, and get the quarterback. So good for them. You know, this is a fun time of year, an extremely fun time of year. Uh, and I look forward to more uh, conversation. Guys, this is a really tough time right now for all of us. Um, we're all locked in our houses due to the COVID 19. Um, some of us are not working right now. Some of us uh, are taking the risk going to work right now. And, uh, you know, thoughts are with everybody right now. This is the toughest thing that I've ever dealt with uh, at my in my generation, for my generation, our generation, uh, dealing with this virus and dealing with it in a lot of, you know, different ways. You know, sitting here in the house all day long, not knowing when this stuff will be over. Um all I know is, you know, I will continue to bring you guys great content from now and forever. That was the Thomas Take Sports Podcast. I'm Ryan Thomas. Thank you so much for tuning in. Another free agent has been signed. Jason Witten signs a one-year deal with the Las Vegas Raiders. He will be a Raider. Jason Witten no longer a member of the Dallas Cowboys, um, and I think that uh, John Gruden wanted to bring in his booth, his uh, booth co-host, I guess, two guys that, that knew all about being members in the uh, broadcast booth. Jason Witten still playing, still being active, and um, still looking to climb the all-time tight end rank, uh, or ranks, I should say, uh, in the record books. Three UFC events have been postponed. Um, as to whether or not Tony Ferguson and Abib Namagamadov is postponed or not, only time will tell. But I'm praying that that fight happens. Again, my name is Ryan Thomas. Thank you so much for tuning into the Thomas Take Sports Podcast. Take care, everybody.